Blog Talk Radio. Today, we are going to have another interesting show because you are the subject. You are the guest. So, as I do every so often, every five or six or seven weeks, I open up the mics to the listening live audience. I hope you're live. I'm sure you are alive. And this is an opportunity to speak directly to me and I to you, which is thrilling, which is what I like. So let me give you the phone number, and at any time you may call in. That is 602-753-1860. 602-753-1860. For those of you who tune in on a weekly basis, you know we have guests from so many different sources on so many different subjects, all, however, relating and related to this underlying theme of creating a better world with the values of humanism, of being humanitarian, of being generous and open and listening and with the values of peace in mind, integrity, dignity among people, lots of fun and laughter, self-expression, creativity, the highest use possible of imagination as it manifests in the arts, in healing, in the uh, body politic, in economics, in entrepreneurism, on and on it goes. We can be self-expressive, creative, imaginative to create a better world. Those are the people we like to have on the show. Those are the people we like to talk with. And if people are just beginning as audience members to warm up to that, this would be a delightful time for you and very appropriate time to tune in to me directly at this number and take advantage of the fact that the mics are open for you. That's right. They are open for engaging dialogue or for you to share any comments, commentary, question you may have. Now, I can wear any number of hats in a given show, not a problem, from my counselor, coach, and therapist hat to my business consulting hat to my environmentalist hat to my peacemaker hat, to my transformational therapeutic theater hat. And on it goes. So that's the invitation, my dear friends. Those of you who listen regularly know that we have this weekly radio show on Blog Talk Radio every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And we have another show that I host and produce on television here in the Big Apple, New York City, yes, even Manhattan. And that is aired every Tuesday night at 10.30, 
although I'm in dialogue with the TV station about altering the time a bit and day. But uh, that is what it is. And uh, our newsletter, which goes out to many tens of thousands of people, announces who are the guests of each or, in the case of no formal guests, you, the audience, as guest, as in this evening. So with that introduction, I would like to also just guide you toward www.abetterworld.tv because there you can sign up for our newsletter. However, I have just learned, it has just come to my attention, that there is some glitch in the mechanism for signing up. And that will be repaired, folks, in the very near future, literally, God willing, in the next day or two. So if you sought to sign and weren't able to, or haven't been receiving the newsletters, and you signed up a week or two or three or four or five or six or seven ago, hmm, would you mind visiting the site again later in the week and trying again? Because by then, it should be healed. It should be remedied. It should be resolved. So <clears throat> I know people can be shy. I know people feel a little inhibited at times, but put that aside. I beg thee, put it aside and engage me in conversation or simply shot put a question in my direction and I will be glad to grapple with it as best I can. <laughs> I've been doing that for a long time and it's not going to stop tonight. I have no such ready plans to do so. So, you know, people sometimes have questions about their work, their job, their new business, their new relationship, their old marriage. <laughs> you know, it's all good. Sometimes people are having issues with their with their friends or their siblings or their business partners. And because I work bottom line with communication and the nature of communication, I am a communicator. This becomes a forum for that. This opens up the opportunity, becomes the portal for a way of understanding communication, for learning something about deep listening as well as authentic speaking. So, truly, I invite you all to... Uh, Participate if you happen to be on the line. The one risk of doing live shows solo, inviting the audience to join in, is these days, because of Internet radio, not a lot of people are always listening live. Most people actually get the show in <clears throat> archive uh, after the fact because of work schedules, hobby schedules, sports schedules, love schedules. It's all fine. It's all fine. But for those who do tune in, you have an especial opportunity to take advantage of the open mic today. Again, that's 602-753-1800. Just like you were calling Arizona, 753-1860. I'm trying to say that like the old-fashioned operators, you know, Belvedere 2, 1400. Those days are long gone, and uh, the kids today don't even know they existed unless they happen to catch a, a little segment in an old movie, you know? Sometimes it makes you feel like you're really getting older <laughs> when you reflect on the changes in our society. You know, it's interesting. The outer forms of society, through the application of new technologies, changes. Obviously, it changes. We didn't know what texting was just 10 years ago. T Twitter and Facebook didn't even exist. 
10 years ago. But the emotional substratum of people has remained rather fixed for millennia. Millennia, I tell you. Millennia. Now, what's that about? That means, let's say, it means this at least. Our minds are facile. Our minds are fast-moving. But our hearts are slow. So to move among the thoughts, to dance among them, can happen with great rapidity. However, to move the emotions a touch right or a touch left is like dealing with mud. Why is that? Eh? Any ideas about why that might be? Well, let's take a guess. People tend to want a sense of familiarity, a sense of consistency, a sense of routine. To go further with routine, you get habit. To go further with habit, you get addiction. (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Where is this leading? I don't think it's good. Especially because the ancient sage of China, Lao Tzu, who brought us the Tao Te Ching, known as one of the first and finest poems of China, the Tao Te Ching, back in approximately 700, 650 B.C., in order to get out through the gate of his little town after he retired as a bean counter, something of that sort, wanted egress. But the gatesman said, Yah, you are the famous Lao Tzu, and I will only let you pass if you share with me some of your sage wisdom. Well, Lao Tzu, as far as the story goes, did everything he could to squirm and squirrel out of this predicament because he did not want to comply. However, if he did not, he would not be getting out. So he did. And we are completely grateful to that gatesman because now we have the written word of Lao Tzu. <clears throat> now it was written on some kind of bamboo uh, <laughs> format, and it's had to be translated and retranslated and redone and revised many a time, and translated many a time, which it has been, as it deserves well to be, over time. Uh, and his teaching showed us that the only thing that's consistent in life is change itself. The only thing that you can rely upon is change itself. That is, the river is never the same where you put your foot in. Never the same. Of course, that was a pre-Socratic philosopher who actually said that but he was sort of on par in some ways with Lao Tzu. But Lao Tzu saw the Tao as the nature of change and the change always occurring in nature, including in our nature. So if there's something stuck, that means it's not flowing with the Tao. It's not flowing in and along with nature. There's a problem. There's a blockage, there's a stagnancy, or in Chinese medicine we refer to as the blood being congealed, meaning it's slowed down. And in all these cases, there is a problem, and it must be healed, it must be revealed, and it must be resolved. That's the way it goes. So, I am inviting you all to put aside those fixations, whatever they may be, and come and join me in a lighthearted way, as in any way you'd like to, actually, to chat with me while I'm on the air without a guest. 
Now, it happens that we will be having a guest come on for a few minutes, and that is Paul Slotkus, who is the founder of Good News Broadcasting, a dear friend and colleague of mine here in New York City, who, like me, engages in any number of different interesting, uh, world-changing kinds of projects, always supporting what it is to be good in this world, what it is to be alive, what it is to live according to your values and your highest values, your highest priorities, to live a life of passion, to live a life of excitement. And if you have to do some things to make some money, well, you just go ahead and do it. But make sure that you reserve time every day for living your passion, living your dream, studying something that moves your heart, participating in something that activates your life force itself. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when we are dead and gone, it's not how much money we made or how many bills we paid that we'll be remembered for. We'll be remembered, though. You better pay your bill or your landlord will chase you down. But, um, you know, we'll be remembered by our loved ones, by our friends, by our larger circles, by what we've contributed to the world, how we had a hand in giving something back to the world. After all, it was just loaned to us in the first place. Everything is loaned, like a library book, so that we may digest the knowledge from the book and then share it with others who may not have that same knowledge or that same quality of experience. We share. And through the sharing, we learn to cooperate together as a family, as we say in Yiddish or Chinese, mishpucha, our larger family. And, you know, isn't that where the juice in life is? You know, holding a door open for someone, you know, giving somebody a seat on a bus or a train or what have you, uh, letting someone at the at the stop sign have the right of way, you know, carrying a heavy bag for a damsel in distress. I mean, various things. I'm being playful here, as you would want me to be, but I'm citing those examples in life where we can be useful, participating in some kind of volunteer work, helping feed the the hungry or the homeless, taking care of a child, being a mentor, being involved in some organization that moves your heart. Isn't this what makes us feel alive? That what we're doing is meaningful? That there's some passion? That all of life is not routine? Now, if you can meld, merge, wed your life's passion with uh, being able to generate money, that oh-so-artificial thing that seems to create more harm than good, and we should probably think through our interest in perpetuating it, um, if under the current circumstances, you're able to bring these two together, passion and finance, God bless you. You're further ahead in the game of this life. However, you know, there were such people as T.S. Eliot. He was a banker during the day and a poet at night. And he did darn well with both. And he wasn't relying on his muse for money. He had a job, his day job, so to speak, that supported his passion at night. And there are so many examples of this throughout all of history. And there's no problem with it. Just, you know, that's the way it is. And people have any number of different ways they negotiate this. 
Anyway, just a little musing as this time goes on, and we are awaiting Paul Slockus's call because Paul is uh, doing a sponsorship of the International Day of Peace at Times Square this Saturday, which is September 21st, the International Day of Peace. And it's the continuation of the show we did last week's themes of the 11 days of global unity. Did any of you hear that show? I mean, it was spectacular, I've got to say. We had a roundtable based on the work of 11 days of global unity and the International Day of Peace coming together. And we had on the founder of We the World, Rick Ulfick. We had on the founder of The Compassion Games, John Raymer. We had on the director of Peace for the Shift Network, Philip Hemlich. And we had on uh, Eliza Hava, an, uh, an American and Israeli in some ways, um, spiritual songwriter and singer who has been involved in different UN slash NGO peacemaking activity for a long, long time. That was our roundtable last week. And, oh, it was just fascinating to hear everybody say their piece. And this is an illuminated group. Uh, we the World has the blessing of, of uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu, for instance, and um, many other real luminaries, Deepak Chopra, and, um, oh, the list just goes on and on of the people that are affiliated with uh, we.net and we the world. And uh, Rick and I actually met back in the mid-90s when we were starting, we were initiating the season for nonviolence, which is a period of time from the end of January to the beginning of April, which commemorates the... Uh, the passing days of both Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King. And we have special events at the UN at the beginning, and it's been going on ever since. And the first time we did it, we had the closing ceremonies in early April at St. Bart's Church, St. Bartholomew's Church on Park Avenue in the 40s. Oh, such a beautiful church. And uh, there was a song I wrote for it called Let's Make World Peace. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, Marianne Monroe, sang it with her gorgeous operatic voice. And uh, we had an awesome Claire, Claire, oh, how could I forget her name, played piano. Her father is a very famous French flautist. Jean-Pierre Rampal. Was that it? Claire Rampal? It could have been. Pardon my uh, memory failing me a little bit there, but I'll get to the bottom of it, and I will report back when I get that straight. <clears throat> anyway, it was a very special time, and Rick and I and uh, Deborah Muldow and Diane Williams, and oh, we had just an extraordinary group of people who helped to initiate that, which continues on to this day, year after year. So let me give the phone number once again and remind you all that this is Mitchell J. Rabin of A Better World, radio and TV. We are on every Wednesday at this very time. And tonight, because I do not have a formal guest, <clears throat> I do invite you to call in and be my guest. Be my guest. And really feel free to call 602-753-1860. 602-753-1860. I'd like to also bring to your attention the fact that I write uh, regularly for the Huffington Post. I only wish I had more 
time to do so, and naturalnews.com, founded by uh, Mike Adams, a great guy who I had on the show, well, actually, when it was uh, I was on Progressive Radio Network prior to Blog Talk Radio, but it's in our archive at abetterworld.tv, free for all, so certainly feel free to go and look it up and, um, uh, you know, check it out. And um, so I want to bring your attention to the fact that you can go to the entire library of Mitchell J. Rabin's blogs at the Huffington Post by going to www.huffingtonpost.com forward slash Mitchell dash J dash Rabin. That's all. The only tricky part is those dashes. They're dashing. Mitchell dash J initial dash Rabin. It's funny. I have an inherent uh, talent for proofreading and editing and writing and the like. And some dear friends of mine who uh, are part of a wonderful organization on which I am on the advisory board, Partnerships for Change, out based in San Francisco, a project we were working on when I kept correcting all of the uh, pieces that were sent to me. We were working on a project together. Uh, I would put in dashes and semicolons and all sorts of things. They started to call me Dash. I thought it was kind of amusing. So uh, I have, I guess, a particular grammatical relationship with dashes. Anyway, uh, do go to uh, HuffingtonPost.com forward slash Mitchell dash J dash Rabin, and you can read the last post I put up just a week or two ago. It's called, They Who Love and Laugh Most Win. Indeed, they who love and laugh most win. And I cite various physiological studies that underscore that those facts, they are real facts. Before that was compassionate versus casino capitalism, moderation or the Wild West. Oh, my word. So you see where I land Does mainstream media know that third-party candidates are also running for president? Apparently not, because they never spoke about any of them. They never interviewed any of them. Oh, here and there. But if the preponderance is 99% Democrat and Republican, that's not doing the world any good. Or, here's another post. Greed as psychopathology and addiction. Wow-wee. There's another one on the ways of love, another on socially conscious banking, ending foreclosures, and occupy your home. After all, that's why you have it, to occupy it, correct? Yes. Before I move on to the subject I have in mind for us today, which is to discuss peace, and it's actually the basis of my next article at the Huffington Post. I did want to mention to you all that I will be speaking at a conference in Boulder, Colorado. Yes, as I swim down the river. No, I am kidding you. I will be speaking at the Global Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference. The Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference, which will be held in Boulder from October 10th through 12th. And if you live anywhere in the area, and even if you don't, this is going to be one dynamite conference. We did it last year at the same time in Hilversum, Netherlands, just outside of Amsterdam. I was the um, MC of it and the co-moderator of panels. And this time I'll be co-moderating the panels and giving a talk And, oh, we just have some luminaries there. 
including Foster Gamble, who is just a, a brilliant spokesperson and producer of the now famous film called Thrive, uh, Regina Meredith, who has a show sort of like mine, uh, who will be the host. She's on Gaim TV and the co-founder of Conscious Media Network, so that will be great. Uh, Professor Garrett Madel, who will be on our show next, not next week, sorry, but the week after, October 2nd, along with the founder and director of Humanitad, my dear friend and colleague, Sasha Stone. And those three will be my guests for a roundtable on the Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference. So go to my website, abetterworld.tv, and there you will see on the home page access to the Global Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference website and you can see who are the other uh, speakers. Moray King, an engineer, physicist, and author, wonderfully bright, talented man. I had the pleasure of meeting last year. Joel Garbin, president of the New Energy Movement, founding member of the New Energy Congress, and co-author of Breakthrough Power. Sterling Allen, founder and CEO of the PES Network and the New Energy Congress as well. Russell Anderson, who is <laughs> the CEO of the Searle Aerospace Corporation. Such an interesting presentation. Basically, folks, we have had access to this kind of um, technology really for a long time, for a long time. And... Uh, Oh, a fellow we had on last year, Fernando Vossa, specialist in energy research, healing technology, and cosmic awareness. Fernando is just turned on. He's a passionate, impassioned uh, man who just has so much to share with us. James Martinez, director of media operations for coldfusionnow.org. I'm just giving you a few of the uh, speakers. Dan Winter who, God almighty, I mean, I interviewed Dan for A Better World TV back in the mid-90s. Independent biotechnology professional, that's for sure. Truly one of the most gifted, brightest men I've ever met. And as I mentioned, Sasha Stone will be uh, joining me in the roundtable, founder and CEO of Humanitad and Exemplar Zero. He and I will be moderating the panels together as well. So um, it's uh, it's going to be something. Michael Tellinger, who we just had on a few weeks ago, who uh, we also had an event for in New York City. He was here briefly, and um, we had him on. So you know, it's uh, there's richness. And if you go to our homepage, a betterworld.tv, you will see there that. Uh, we have clips. My interns put clips on from last year's conference. So you'll get a taste of the paddle moderators and the uh, panels themselves that you'll really, really find quite thrilling. So I really do invite you to do so. I am noticing that, uh, oh, yes, indeed. It looks like we have a caller, and I don't know if that is my dear friend Paul Slakis, or not, I'll be finding out momentarily. Hello, Paul, is that you? Hello? No, it is not. Uh, someone has called in, and I'm asking if Hi, you are there. Hello? Yes. Hello? Hello. Hi, I didn't, Who I am didn't I speaking with? <laughs> Hi, Mitchell, it's Michelle Risa. I'm calling in because I... Oh, yes, had... Michelle. <laughs> I thought I, you were calling in to listen, were you? I was listening. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, um, whatever, press a button to say I was asking you a question. I really was calling to listen no. to the two of you, and I just called oh, in now. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, thank I you. I so appreciate it. 
I know you had Rick on a few days ago, who I know, and I'm planning yes. to go our, to Saturday's event in Times Square. Yes? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Good. I'm so, so glad. Just, and uh, just for the audience to know, Michelle Risa is a friend, and we had her on, my God, I think it was a year ago February, wasn't it? I Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but that sounds fine. You don't? Uh, well, I remember because you are a um, holistic uh, practitioner who teaches people about health and healing and nutrition, and you were doing something on loving yourself on Valentine's Day. Exactly, and, and yeah, the loving yourself part, Mitchell, is, is really of the, I mean, yes, yoga, yes, meditation, yes, nutritious food, but loving yourself, I think, is so key, to, you know, emotional intelligence to just really being happy yep. and, you know, being able to do all the things you're, you're suggesting and giving us resources to do. Yes. Because when we're feeling empty and missing and or angry or disappointed, <laughs> all of that, yeah. right, we're just less able to... Well, it's an interesting thing. We're taught to love others, but we're not really taught anything about loving oneself. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's just yeah. not a conversation we have in our culture. We tend to think of it as egoic or self-centered, and I say, and I think you would too, that to the extent that we can really accept ourselves, acknowledge ourselves, and really, let's just say, enjoy ourselves, but immensely and deeply, let's call it love, then to that extent we can really appreciate others. And to the extent that we self-abnegate and self-deny, to that extent, we have trouble really reaching out and loving others. So there's a direct through line between the two. And I would dare say also that the higher we go in this game called our spiritual evolution, uh, the more we see that there's really not the same distinction we thought of, separation, between me and you or I and thou as Martin Buber's put it. And uh, then we see that loving someone else is not different than loving ourselves. Loving ourselves is not different than loving somebody else. It starts to get really interesting. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, yeah, Michelle? One, one, I would certainly, what I would add to that is our having been taught to really, I see, going around with a begging bowl and saying to people around us, could you please love me? Could you please acknowledge me? Could you please make me feel special? Could you make me, you know, feel happy? Yeah? And and I think we we all are I don't, surprised, of course, when that the happiness doesn't come from that. And to your point, you know, don't realize the other choice is to say, well, how can I take care of me? And support me and forgive me and have compassion and kindness for me, yeah? And yeah. and yeah. doing that, you know, as as you were saying, then yes, my ability to love you and anyone else, of course, is enhanced because I'm now learning how to really love. Yeah? Exactly. The other exactly. way is just coming from a need. Could you please fill all my needs? Yeah, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> That's not what it's well, about. It doesn't work, well, which is why we're all so sad and also disappointed yeah, and also empty. True. And you know, So I think this really is where I mean, we're the source of everything. So to the extent that we, we focus are. on nourishing the source, we're in a far better position to do all that we hope to do in the world. Exactly. And without all, the, without all the strings and without all the expectations and That's we can right. roll That's the right. Right, and see when other people don't yes, or do whatever. Yes, all that we say in Chinese, a language I know you understand, without all the mishigas, <laughs> you know. So, right. Listen, right, Michelle, right. I want to just thank you for, <laughs> you know, I'm waiting for Paul Slakas to call in, and it's oh. so funny because he 
emailed me a little while ago and said I will be there, and uh, so I wanted yes, to yes, you know I help them out. Email. He was going to join you. Yeah. So he, right. So, so, so I I'm going question? to make way for him. I'm sorry. Okay. I was going to ask you. One so I'm going to make way for him, and I'll let you continue to listen. And uh, okay. but thank you very much for weighing in. It's always a pleasure to say hi to you, and I appreciate your words. Okay. Well, when. All right, I'll email you, Mitchell. No problem. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Sounds good, Michelle. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. That was a sweet moment where Michelle Risa uh, joined us. I, you know, one of the shortcomings of the system here is that when people call into the engineering board, we they are not identified by name. So there's a little picking and choosing and like that about who the guest is, so I have to know the number of the guest. And Paul clearly got sidetracked, but that's okay because I know what Paul Slotkiss is up to, and he still has a bit of time to call in. But I want to just bring everyone's attention to this Saturday, the International Day of Peace. There will be a huge event happening in the Central Park Bandshell, and there will be a huge event happening through Paul Slotkiss and Good News Broadcast at Times Square. And to whichever you go, or if you go to both, you will be elevated and uplifted and inspired by the many people who are really feeling what you are feeling about peace and the importance of peace, and the importance of letting go of the conversation about war. It's just over. Well, it's over for us. It's been over for a lot of us for a long time. This is not new, folks. I mean, it was over for Aristophanes, if you remember. (laughs) So, um, we're perpetuating the story of a world we want to create. And not only want to, but are creating. We've taken matters in our own hands, and we are moving forward with that. A lot of it has to do, first, with what is it that your heart wants? Then, what will your mind intend? Can you put out and manifest what you intend for the world? And may that be peace, folks. May that be justice. May that be sustainability and living in harmony with Mother Nature. And that means also with each other. So now I'm going to come full circle around to the subject of this uh, latest blog that I have been uh, writing for the Huffington Post that I just haven't quite gotten to uh, completing the editing of. But it's called War and Peace. Changing the Conversation. And it really bubbled up, friends, from what I see going on with this uh, Putin-Obama interchange, and as well as uh, John Kerry and his uh, ambassadorial counterpart, excuse me. And uh, I'm very impressed with much of what I see. Of course, there's a little bantering and a little bickering and, you know, the politicizing and, oh, forget the commercial news media. Forget our Congress. I am petrified, truly, at the imbecileness of what they speak. And, I I mean, i got to tell you, I had to watch Jon Stewart the other night, at least the beginning piece, where... He had a few of the people on Congress people saying, I've never seen anything so preposterous as what is going on. In other words, when you take war off the table, when you take airstrikes off the table, people in power don't know where to turn. They don't know how to handle a world where negotiation and diplomacy are actually taking their proper lawful place. 
lawful, I mean in the higher realms of lawful, meaning that's the way human beings should be interacting with each other according to higher universal law, not this silly man-made law where, you know, if you cross this line, we're going to attack you. I mean, that's not legit, but it happens all the time and it rules the mind. But there is something very powerful underfoot and underway. And I really, really emphasize this, that the more we all get behind this movement toward diplomacy, the more of it will happen. And it will supplant, I tell you, it will supplant conversation about war and airstrikes and missile strikes, which only lead to more. They beget more, just as the Bible said. You know, Adam and Eve begot so-and-so, and that begot more, and before you know it, you've got an entire tribe, and then you've got more than one tribe, and then you've got 12 tribes, and then you have 13 tribes. Then you have the rest of the nations and the races and well, I'm, I'm being a little playful here, but you understand what happens and the way negativity begets negativity and positivity begets positivity and love begets love and compassion begets compassion. Have I made myself clear? Let's keep the conversation going, folks. Let's keep the conversation in motion, moving forward. You know, the reality is that people are completely sick and tired of being at war. People are sick and tired of violence. And to do this, to move our will forward into the political will of our nation, requires us speaking out. And this show is one of those fora for speaking out. And today's show in particular was really offered to you all as an opportunity to speak out. And I'll give the number again. We are beginning to run short of time. But we're still here, folks. 602-753-1860. 602-753-1860. And, you know... A lot of what's going on, the polling that's taking place, is so important, frankly, because Washington gets to take the pulse of the American people. And the Amer American people are saying no. Like, they don't say no that often when it comes to politicians telling them what is best or what the White House says is best. But... It is happening now. People are re-accessing their authority, which was always there, but they gave it away. And that's why our country looks the way it does. It's a mess. It is a mess. Make no mistake about it. And what we have done by making our country a mess and its infrastructure a mess and its educational system a mess and its Congress a mess it's the whole entire body politic a mess, is we have lost our soul. This is powerful. And this is inappropriate. And we need to bring that soul back. That soul stands for freedom. It stands for sovereignty. It stands for liberty. And as Jefferson said, the pursuit of happiness, if you so choose. It stands for self-expression. And we have amendments in our Constitution which support that as God-given not to be taken away by man. It is legislated thusly that it cannot be taken away by man. But man is very clever and has come up with all sorts of workarounds 
and loopholes to tie the Constitution up in knots that Benjamin Franklin and the other uh, constitutional uh, authors would be rolling over and protesting, by the way. They would be marching in front of the White House, and they'd probably get arrested. This is what we're dealing with here in this country, folks, and we are seeing a turnaround, and I thank Syria, odd as that may sound, for being the place where the Russians and the Americans can start to do something creative and useful together. Instead of building up larger nuclear stockpiles, they can begin to release the anger Yes, they're going to be political jockeying. I know, I know. It's not going away. No, no time soon. Fine. I don't care for it, but I know it to be so. We all do. However, even with their politicking, they can still do good in the world. We've got to reduce the anger. We've got to reduce the violence. We've got to eliminate the money trail that keeps those in motion. And the money trail is vast. It's a huge pipeline. And uh, people, it's just tough to see it. And we have to come to exploration of our own higher natures. My God, what we are learning through neuroscience, what we are learning through our studies of the ancient wisdom teachings, both native indigenous and more cultivated in the forms of Hindu teachings, Vedic teachings, Kabbalistic teachings, are showing us Buddhist teachings, Taoist teachings, all show us this awesome potential of human beings to be incredibly super lovers, super compassionate, super cooperative, that's what is in store for us folks if we were just to give ourselves a wee bit of a chance, a wee bit of an opportunity. But no, that's not what we have done so far to date. But every moment is a new moment. Every moment is a new opportunity for a new life. Look, I do a lot of counseling. I counsel Couples, mostly, and sometimes couples have children. So I counsel families. We look at the range of issues, the emotional conflicts underlying the current family, but also ancestrally, the generations, because you've got to do that. We are a very fast food society, fast thought society. We want everything yesterday can't be delivered fast enough. And this is really a problem. This is a sickness. And I don't think anywhere else in the world has it quite like we Americans do. We have no patience. We have no sense of space and time together. And it's time that we begin to cultivate these because we're going to be just burning our fuse and we will go pop and this kind of conversation allows people to cultivate a deeper sense of themselves so that patience and space and time all become spacious, interestingly. And that way we can live a richer life. Now, with, this, with the counseling that I do, I see the same things and same themes showing up over and over again. And there is, as we were discussing earlier, a sense of emptiness, a sense of vacuity in people that they seek to compensate for. And one of the ways is through, funny as it may sound, the expression of anger, the expression of violence, the expression of drama. This, in a sense, keeps them occupied and gives them something to chew on instead of feeling empty. 
But if they were to fill their gas tank with light instead of fossil fuel, if they were to really tune in to the higher vibrations, subtle as they may be, they'll begin to ride the wave of happiness, which is not created. It's just entered like a stream, like a river. And you declare it. It's a declaration. I am happy. I'm entering the space and the stream of happiness. And nothing is going to get in my way. Nothing is going to disturb my inner sense of happiness, joy, and well-being. It's a declaration, my friends. And you stand in that space and you begin to cultivate that space and that frequency and that vibration by so declaring. And what I'm saying today to y'all is we can do the same with the notion of peace and justice. We have to realize that our planet is shrinking, it's wobbling, it's melting, it's freezing, and it's heating like never before. We are witnessing global warming. We are witnessing global freezing. We are witnessing climate change. Look at what just happened in Boulder, Colorado, one of the most special places I've ever been. And those who have been there feel the same. It's just wonderful, wonderful, high-minded, big-hearted place, like a vortex. Well, the water flooding just about gutted it just about gutted it. Just over the last few weeks, I have friends there. I have heard firsthand of what's going on. And, well, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. There are vast efforts to clean it up, and it sounds like the federal and state governments are really doing much to marshal their resources to help people evacuate, get back in, and everything. And the reports I have heard generally are very favorable. And that is just, it feels good. It feels good. Because at base is cooperation and understanding and compassion and people working together. And I'm telling you, that's our true nature. And neuroscience supports it. Wonderful book by Lynn McTaggart, who I've had on the show, of course, uh, called The Bond, outlines the neuroscience which corroborates our deepest gut feelings that we need to bond, we need to love, we need to cooperate as our means of survival. Killing each other off is not a means of survival, folks. And if that's what Darwin meant, he was wrong. And if that's our misinterpretation, we're wrong. But today's neuroscience, in conjunction with our own gut that says, let's get along, is not wrong. It is right on the path, the harmonious path, the symmetrical path, the fun path, the path that says, of course let's help you build that barn. Of course let me open this door for you. Of course, of course, of course. Because we are truly one and there is a part of our consciousness, there's a part of our heart, there's a part of our soul that knows that. And it may seem very abstract to people. It may seem purely metaphysical. Yep. It all depends on your purview. It depends on your place of perception. So I'm just saying that to you for your reflection. All the wisdom teachings always say we are are one. Well, if that's the case, let's see it. First, let's perceive it, and then we'll act on it. And we'll take care of each other as brothers and sisters. So, I know there are a lot of hiccups. I know there's a lot of negativity in the world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I do what I can to block a lot of it out. However, I'm suggesting that it is but the function of letting go of an entire older 
way of life. As the new one asserts itself with love, with compassion, with friendship, with cooperation, with a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood. And we're letting go of the old ways. And Syria can become a test case in the kinds of cooperation that can take place between big nations, powerful nations, and the rest of the good they can do through such cooperation. And I think it is up to us to support this movement as best we can, not let these foolish naysayers who populate our Congress try to say anything negative about the effort being made. I don't know about the chemical weapons. I don't know who owns them. Dow probably made them. Or DuPont. So let's get real. The United States, as hypocrite, is very obvious to all. It's been using depleted uranium. It's used Agent Orange. You don't think that's a chemical weapon? For years, in the first Iraq War, in the second Iraq War, in Vietnam and elsewhere, don't you kid yourselves. War is ugly. And these big boys use whatever powers they can get their hands on to kill, hurt, and maim, and rape, plunder, and pillage each other. So, we want to let go of all the armaments, and we want to start moving into a new space. And it happens on the grassroots level. And please understand, there's an energetic shift that occurs when all minds line up like this and there really isn't an opposing it. Not really. It appears that way. I really want to make the distinction between appearance and reality. There's an appearance of things that you get on the news, on television. There's an appearance, but it is so skewed and slim and narrow next to what's actually happening. And that's why I opened up the mics tonight and, uh, you know, if nobody called in, what am I going to say? Uh, Michelle got caught because she called in. I didn't know it was she. Uh, called to listen. And I, I didn't know if it was Paul Thotkiss or not. But that aside, I open the doors to you to listen, to tune in, to be part of the A Better World family and community. Because this is where it happens, folks, where the uh, tire meets the road, right here in the People's Network, People's Media, which shows up here on A Better World and Blog Talk Radio. So I am grateful for the opportunity to share my time with you, my heart with you, my thinking with you, to invite you to the global Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference in Boulder. Yes, it will be cleaned up. Uh, and um, But it's actually making a case for the importance of moving to different kinds of non-polluting, non-greenhouse gas technologies, which is what this conference is all about, so we can really move forward and st stop polluting our beautiful Gaia and do the right thing. That's what's up, doing the right thing. Right livelihood, as the Buddhists would say. Right livelihood, right thinking, right action. It's not complicated. We know what it is. We don't have to go to school for it. But here, we want to express it. Listen, thank you all for tuning in. Please tell your friends. Visit us at our Facebook page, Mitchell J. Rabin, and A Better World Media. Like us, Google Plus us, Twitter us, and tweet us, and all of the above. You know the routine at this point. We want to be more and more influential as we speak about things that are so needed. You'll see a lot of those things listed on our website, abetterworld.net, abetterworld.tv, both work. And Save the Bees, I mean... Amazing things are happening for the good, for the good.
good. And we really want to remember that. I want to also let you know that in two weeks, we'll be having the Breakthrough Energy Movement Roundtable. And in the not-too-distant future, I'm going to have on a very special gentleman I met just yesterday named, uh, named Patrick San Francisco. <laughs> what a man. Indian from Goa. MD and JD, interestingly, who is going around city to city all over India with thousands flocking for healing, which he gives, and then he teaches them how to give it to each other. And he was spent time in the Bay Area, and he's going to Washington, D.C., and he was just briefly in New York when I met him and I took the first part of his workshop. And I'm telling you, this guy is a gem. He's funny. He's lively. He's completely out of the box. And he's got a skill of teaching that all need to benefit from, can benefit from. And so he will be in New York again. And I have information about him on our website for yet another thing to pick through and enjoy. So... Thanks again for joining us. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Contact me at my my email address, mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr, my initials, at abetterworld.net, and share with me your thoughts, your comments. I love hearing from y'all. I really do. It makes my day. We do so much of this work as public service. And, uh, you know, one of the payments we get is bringing inspiration and education to you, the audience. Thanks again. I look forward to seeing you all.